The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, Coming up after 10.15, the Passion View, that's when uh, the girl talk starts. We're going to talk about playing hard to get and sexual eagerness as just a couple of the topics. But anything you want to throw out to the uh, ladies of the panel, uh, if you want to get a female perspective on any particular uh, issue, we'd uh, love to hear from you as well. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. Remember, you can always send me your emails as well, your questions by email to laurie at drlaurie.com or just go through the website, drlaurie.com and fill out the contact form there. Uh, Here's one by email. There is this girl that just started working as the receptionist at my chiropractor's office and I'm interested in getting to know her. I don't quite know how to approach her in a public setting like that and ask her out. I think she might be interested in me too because she was making an effort to start conversation with me about movies uh, the one day, but I don't know if she is or isn't. I'm 27 years old and new to the dating scene. I've only actually been on one date before, and it was a blind date that didn't work out. The reason I've been single my whole life is because I am afraid of rejection and embarrassment. I also do not know how to approach a woman and always chicken out at the last minute. Any advice to boost my self-confidence. So just, uh, just so you know, nobody likes rejection. Everyone is a little bit afraid of rejection, uh, but it's part of the dating game. Like you have to get your expectations in check, uh, because this is, this is, it's a, it can be a numbers game. Um, you will get rejected some of the time. That is a fact for anybody. And I always feel bad for the guys because they're the, you know, women are on the receiving end and they're the ones who tend to make all the effort of, you know, picking up or making those, those first contacts generally. I'm not saying that happens all the time. I'm want to encourage women to also make the first move. Um, but yes, it is difficult. So I think, uh, firstly, you can try striking up a conversation uh, about something that you notice about her. Uh, you talked about movies, maybe even the kinds of movies that, that she likes. You can ask about that. Uh, personally, I believe in a more straightforward approach. Uh, if you're interested in asking her out, maybe you can say something simply like, would you like to catch a movie next weekend? Uh, if she says no, don't take it so personally. You don't know all the reasons that she may have that may have absolutely nothing to do with you. Now, for you to build confidence, I would really recommend you work with a dating coach Uh, I've said this many times in in similar uh, situations. So a therapist will help you uncover some of the underlying psychological blockages or or issues that are stopping you from this. So you, you could do that. But if you want like how to advice and practical advice on dating, then, uh, you can seek out uh, a dating coach. And one of my faves is uh, Frank Carmet, who's been a regular on, on this program. So if you want to check it out, go to franktalks.com and see, otherwise there are other people who 
uh, also have uh, you know this this title or or what have you just uh, Frank has written over 25 books on the subject so at the very least you can pick up a book uh, and read it a texter says uh, don't get overzealous don't push if she's interested she will let you know compliment her nicely yes uh, compliment nicely rather than creepily is I think what you're <laughs> what you're alluding to here on another note uh, here's another email my wife uh, lost my wife lost wish to have sex after birth of our first oh she lost her wish to have sex after the birth of our first kid we managed to make a second kid but it never recovered the kids are now three and one and a half years before the kids, she was very passionate about sex, and sometimes I felt it was even too much for me after um, a long day. But now I have to beg her to have some. She is 34, and I'm 30. She says that it hurts her upon insertion, and if it slips out, and therefore she's lost the desire, but I feel it's not true, as sometimes I find her very wet, and we sometimes use lubricant. Mainly, it feels like she is never into it anymore. She does not allow me to finger her, which I did before, or anything else. I think she even stopped masturbating. Never seen her doing it, but she said before that she did it. In bed, it's only my initiative. Massages, kisses, touches, etc. Please help. I really miss it, and I'm still young, but I do not want to cheat on my wife. Okay, clearly, cheating is not the answer, uh, categorically, that is not the answer, but you need to know that it's also very common for women to lose desire for sex when they have babies. So if she is still breastfeeding or was breastfeeding and then stopped, had another baby, like it, it all, it's all happening in a short amount of time, right? Uh, breastfeeding releases hormones that, that actually dampen, uh, desire. Add on top of that, the fatigue of running after two little kids can have a huge impact on a woman's sex life. So if you want her to want it more, you have to be compassionate towards her. You have to find out what it is that she needs because she needs you, first of all, to be patient and understanding. And I get, listen, I get your frustration. I really do. But again, if you approach her with pressure or threats of going elsewhere, that isn't going to go very far in terms of getting her closer to you. Ask her what she needs from you. Is it more time to herself? Maybe uh, more help? Like find out what it is that would get her in a state of relaxation uh, to maybe uh, carve out time to be able to be together as a couple. So Clearly, at, at this stage in the game, in a couple's life, those first uh, few years with little, little kids, it's really important uh, to carve out time for, uh, for the couple. Date nights, for example, or maybe not during COVID, you could have date nights at home, that's okay too, but once uh, the pandemic's over, get a babysitter, take her away for a night, take her out. I did do a TEDx talk on the subject, uh, passion in long-term relationships, which if you just Google my name and then Ted next to it, you will, uh, you will come up with a, a YouTube video of, of a TED talk that I did 
on that very subject. So that's something that you can do. Uh, texter, a couple of texters here. Hmm, cheating, never an option. Give her time, she'll rebound. I had a date once, said a man should chase a woman like a hunter hunts a deer so that you could put the trophy on the wall. I said, if I want a trophy on my wall, I'll go out and buy it. Oh man, yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about playing hard to get tonight with uh, with our ladies. So that's um, that might, that's kind of a game also that's being played, right? Lori, I can't believe a Barbara Walters interview with Sean Connery, John Paul played earlier where he blatantly stated he believes women deserve to get slapped with an open hand occasionally when merited, which he deems is when they go on and on after they've been allowed to have the last word, to which I replied, I wonder if his wife also agrees that it's equally acceptable to kick him in the testicles every now and then when she deems it to be merited as well. Whoa, did he actually say that? I love Sean Connery. I can't believe he would say something like that. Eesh. Uh, Coming up, the passion view. That means the ladies are in the house. Well, not exactly in the house, but around. Uh, We'll talk about playing hard to get and sexual eagerness. That's coming up. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. It's the Passion View tonight on the program. I'm happy to welcome back the girlfriends, uh, Paris Mansouri of Parisology.com and a frequent CJD contributor who is uh, a single uh, gal. Uh, <laughs> we've got Dania Beznos, not single. She's a mom, a stepmom, and a grandmother of uh, three boys and an entrepreneur. Welcome, ladies. What was that laugh, Dr. Lori, when you were like what? single? <laughs> Because every time I say that, we always get texts of people wanting to meet you oh. <laughs> and, and go out with you. So that's why it makes me laugh every time because I always get emails after the show asking me for your contact info. And I'm like, could you just find her on social media? I don't want to be responsible. <laughs> So funny. So that's the are lovely. Right. That's the only thing. Okay. Let's start off the show talking about playing hard to get. Now, myself, Dania, we've been married a long time. Maybe we can't relate to this, but Paris, you can relate to this, I'm sure, although we can all have opinions about this. But I want to share a study that showed how and why being hard to get may affect your desirability. So this research investigated whether perceiving a prospective romantic partner as hard to get instigated sexual desire for this partner and whether viewing this person as a more valued mate explained this effect. So uh, participants who interacted with potential partners whose online profile indicated that they were selective in choosing mates and therefore more difficult to attract perceived them to be more valued and more desirable as partners compared to participants who interacted with less selective uh, partners. And they found that interacting with prospective partners who are perceived as hard to get not only enhanced these partners' mate value and desirability, but was also translated into investment of concrete efforts to see them in the future. So being hard to get signals that potential partners are worth pursuing because they have other mating alternatives and therefore can afford to limit their availability. So basically telling people, yeah, you should be playing hard to get. 
For me, the playing part bugs me. I'm not good with playing games. I've always hated that. Uh, but Paris, as a single person, I don't know if you've experienced this or maybe you play hard to get. I don't. Do you even think about that in terms of, oh, I'm going to play hard to get? I, I don't think of it in terms of playing. I never have. But I do notice that in terms of, like if I compare myself to my friends, I do have guys who are willing to get to the next level, like get very serious very quickly. And I'm the kind of person who's like, we've just gone on three dates. Like, it's not even about kissing on the first or second date. It's not about playing hard to get. It's like, I've had one conversation with you, and I'm not going to build a future in the possibilities of a long-term relationship based on this one date where we are showing each other our best faces. Mm. How many times have we all heard, oh, my God, he was so great. I can't wait to see him again. You just saw him one time. Right. On his best behavior. How are you planning your life? Even one, like one month, two months, three months, that's nothing. So I'm very much like you are no one to me until you become someone. Like you show me who you are as a person mm. and your behavior on three dates, don't show me who you are as a person. Your behavior over, over the long term, your behavior in how you treat other people, in how you live your life, in how, in, in, in how you do the daily things is going to show me who you are. But you buying me flowers and a, a good dinner and a thoughtful date, not going to cut it. And I think people, when they see that, if they even have a little bit of interest, when they're like, oh, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> it, it, I feel like it makes them think of me in a different way because I'm not, I'm not there to play on any level. So it's I'm not, a suck. Yeah. I would do the flowers and stuff. <laughs> You're a suck guy. You'd nice, fall for that, right? I'm not right? going to fall for it. You know, like, I not, mean, fall for it. I'm not marrying the guy tomorrow, but, uh, but you know, obviously there's a time period, and I guess with different people it's different because there's chemistry or there's no chemistry. I don't know. I don't know that you could put a time limit towards anything, but I think but, you could. But the concept, I'm, but, Dania, the concept of playing hard to get, in other words, I, um, you know, making yourself seem right. not available or not so available or may, or, or really picky. I mean, it can backfire. I think that's, uh, yeah. that's also sad. One texter wrote playing hard to get can backfire in today's world of immediate gratification. One can be passed over rather, uh, quickly. So Paris, do you think that by being as, I don't want to say demanding because it's not a bad thing. I, as someone who wants to wait and see and you know, spend more time getting to know, do you think that men get turned off by that because they want to move it quicker? And so they... Uh... It depends on the circumstance. It's it's not the same for everyone. In some situations, you know that it's you have a great chemistry and you have a great vibe, but you need to be emotionally intelligent enough to not build a relationship around that. Maybe it's just meant to last three days or one month or a trip away. Like mm-hmm. women, like as women, as men, as whatever heterosexual, uh, you know, homosexual couples, it doesn't matter. We need to stop transforming people into someone they're not and then be heartbroken over someone they weren't. Like you mm. see people going out on, you know, three months, four months. And it's like, oh, my God, he wasn't who I thought it was. You knew him for three months. And you're going to cry about it for six? Like, come on. Even a year. Like, we, like, you know how they say you made your bed? Well, you made a decision to fall in love with someone after two dates. 
that was your choice. Like, I understand you can get wooed and you can get wrapped up, but we need to be realistic as well. And if somebody is not interested in you after a date or two because you want to take a bit longer, that's their that's choice. A, that's but, a good way of eliminating also the people yeah. that you don't want, the kind of person you don't want. This person says, way to go. Now, that's what I call a mature, wise, and level-headed woman with whom I totally agree and resonate with. And research does show it takes a good six months before you can see someone in their everyday. Like you like you said, you, you don't want to just see their best face. You want to see them in different contexts. And that takes a while before you can evaluate if this is the kind of person you want. It's not going to happen in the first three dates. But at but the same you... time, at the same time, I don't think that you need to go out with someone for three years before you know them. Absolutely. Like if you look at Indian couples and Indian matchmaking, I mean, there's a show on Netflix, but I have friends who have had arranged marriages because of their family. I have a Bangladeshi friend, a Pakistani friend, two Indian friends, and they've been married between, and obviously the hiccups in their situations are very different from couples I know who, you know, dated um, a traditional North American way, but you know, in their traditions, you get to know the families, you get to meet the cousins and the uncles mm. and the, you get to know their character. It's completely normal to ask each other's full backgrounds. Like, who were they in high school? Who were they in university? Who are they in their social groups? And it's not weird to ask those kind of questions. And they can't really cover it up because you're literally getting to ask their friends or family and everyone, right. and it's very hard for everyone to lie to you. Right. Like. Well, it comes with a, a reference, right? Like you need, you need, yeah. you need referrals and references. Danya? Exactly. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, if you meet somebody and you like them and you enjoy their company, and they ask you out again, and you go out, at what point do you play hard to get? Do you, if you like them and you like, the, irregardless if you're going to be three months or four months, or you think you're in love with them or whatever it is, at what point do you play? Oh, I really like this guy, but. You know, he's going to ask me, oh, I'm going to pretend like I'm busy and not see him. And I don't, then hopefully yeah. ask me. Like, I don't understand. I don't play. I'm not a game player. Me neither. So, and I never did. So if did. you're interested, why try and sabotage it? Right. Because well, you don't want to come off as too easy. Because if the guy is too, if you really, really like the guy, you want him, you don't want to come off as like clingy or too well, needy. If he keeps mm-hmm. asking you out, is that clingy if you say yes? It's not, but like if you don't know, like remember the rules? And there was a book back in the day. It was called The Rules, the rules. and you're supposed to wait three days before you call him back. Okay, and you're that's not supposed stupid. To, like, that's all stupid. these games. I, I don't know. I'm not a game player. I was never. I totally like that. agree. It's like yeah, if it's not, not like flow, that. It's gonna flow. You know, I, I use right. I use my my example. I met my husband. I mean, we've been together for 27 years. We actually, maybe this is a little quick and maybe don't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this, but we got engaged, I think, within three months of being together. We were together every single day from the day we met. Uh, And so got to see him in so many different elements, of course, quickly. But as being a little bit older, too, it was, I just, it just, it just worked. And there was there was definitely no game playing. I'm interested. You're interested. Let's do this, right? And and that that's right. how it went. So uh, the game playing was never ever 
a part of that or the the playing hard to get just would not have occurred to me at all uh playing hard to get is one game women play very well but if you really click in that first 10 minutes the game turns into something more interesting uh just remember as you get older you get less picky this texter writes uh paris is that true do you get less picky as you get older you're in your 30s? Yeah, no. I, not in my case. I, I hate generalizing. So I'm sure some, for some people it's like, oh, well, I was picky in my 20s and look where that got me. So I'm going to be less picky to each their own. But I find that the older I get and the more I get to know myself, my the, the way that I would want someone in my life to behave with me and also to behave without just the person I want to spend my life with. Right. Like, look at your friendships. Don't you become more choosy in your friendships? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. I la- this texter says, as a gay man in my 50s, upon the advice of a friend suggesting to play hard to get, twice failed both times. Both guys gave up right away. My suggesting friend was a real Adonis. I was the polar opposite. So there you go. Uh, coming up with the ladies, uh, Paris Mansouri and Dania Beznas on The Passion View, we're going to talk about sexual eagerness, your eagerness to engage in sex, not just your uh, willingness. What does it take for us to have that eagerness? We'll do that after we check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. All right, before we get to the uh, ladies of the Passion View, let me share with you, uh, first of all, this uh, stupid sex story. Headline, horrified man reveals his fiance's family has a traditional wedding night sex ritual in which they're supposed to consummate their marriage while everyone listens outside. So he's this 23-year-old guy, revealed the horror of learning that his fiancée's family has a creepy wedding night tradition in which newlyweds are supposed to consummate. His 23-year-old bride-to-be only recently told him about her family's uh, antiquated sex ritual, and while he still wants to marry her, he doesn't want to go through with it. Something weird I've noticed since we got engaged is that my girlfriend's cousins sometimes make jokes about our wedding night. It's weird for them to joke about it since I'm pretty sure her family is aware we've slept together before since we share a bed at holiday gatherings and vacations. The groom said his fiance has a large, boisterous, extended family and they've always gotten along great for the most part until she sprung their bizarre tradition on him. A few nights ago, we were discussing wedding plans and thinking about places to go on our honeymoon if COVID-19 clears up and we can travel. My girlfriend and I were brainstorming ideas when she tells me that we won't need a bridal suite right away. When he asked why, considering they were getting married at a hotel, she told him that she wants to stay at her parents' house on their wedding night. Upon further questioning, she admitted that her family has a really old wedding night tradition. The husband and wife go into the master bedroom together and they are supposed to consummate the marriage. The rest of the family are waiting outside the door so they can applaud them and cheer when they come out. Then a piece of the bedsheet is cut off and sewn into a big tapestry my girlfriend's mother owns. <laughs> this is sick. I think my girlfriend saw I wasn't happy because she quickly told me that we wouldn't have to actually consummate the marriage if I felt uncomfortable and we could just pretend. Um, 
oh my goodness. I absolutely freaked out and told her under no circumstances will I be doing that kind of thing in front of her whole family. <laughs> Yikes, the man said he loves his partner, wants to spend his life with the life his life with her, but he didn't know how he should navigate her family's uh, tradition. Of course, many commenters con- insisted that he has to put his foot down and refuse to perform the ritual, or he'd be battling his pushy in-laws for the rest of his um, for the rest of his marriage. I I don't know where this comes from. Um, I guess there are some um, places that I mean, I don't know. There's maybe according to this thing, newlyweds, including royals, would put into their mar put into their marital beds by family, friends, and members of the community on their wedding night to establish the consummation of marriage. So I think this happens in some cultures, I guess. I don't know. Paris, you've been around many cultures. Do you Have you ever heard of this? No. I'm so traumatized by that story, Doctor. I was not ready you, for that, Dr. Can Lauren. you imagine if this was told you no. after you'd been engaged and everything, right? You're weeks away from your wedding. By the way... By that's the way, a lot to, that's like almost a betrayal. Like you can't, you can't not tell your partner about that. But again, it's in certain cultures. Like I understand it's a family tradition. Maybe you can overrule that. But let's say you're in a community and that's normal. I mean, I don't want to knock anyone's tradition. So if it's a cultural, religious tradition, you have to do it. Sure. I know that there's old traditions where you don't, you don't have to have the, the, sounds but you need to show like a, a white handkerchief that has blood on it to prove sure that as if the that's woman a, is a virgin right as if that's proof of virginity I, which it isn't yeah. i'd be inquiring about other possible family traditions oh <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> right what else does Anything your family else do you want to reveal that's right Good time for that. Hey, the pa- the Passion Poet wrote us a poem. Want to hear it? Oh, yes. Sure. Yeah, of course. It's November the 2nd, and here they come. Three very sexy ladies. Now let's have some fun. Lori with a smile that can launch a thousand ships shows compassion and love and a lot of great tips. Of course, there is Dania. Her thoughts she does share. Well thought out comments said with understanding and care. Last but not least, beautiful Paris. Still single, it would seem. No match with the opposite sex. Maybe she should try the other team. <laughs> He's so good. I thought you'd appreciate that. So uh, good, and I do. So <laughs> Send them over, passion poet. Yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, a couple of things here. Uh, elope, this person says. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he should do it and scream out and call her every dirty name in the book. Can you imagine? <laughs> that's a good one. I think that's funny. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I work with a guy who moved in with her after first date, been together for 30 years now, on, on the issue of playing, uh, playing hard to get. I'm wondering if it would be the opposite. If he did put his foot down, she might make his life miserable forever. Oi, I don't know about that. Uh, hard to get. It's an immature, childish game that may be acceptable in grade school and perhaps high school as well, where immaturity normally prevails however it's completely unacceptable not to mention ridiculous between mature adults where unless one suffers from arrested development then you don't want to be with them (laughs) and lacks interpersonal communication skills honesty integrity and direct expression is normally the preferred standard form of communication so well said couldn't have said it better myself that's the way i roll direct as can be um, I prefer yep. that, that approach. I, the games, I cannot, 
could not handle. Uh, no, not at all. All right, let's switch topics and talk about uh, sexual eagerness, so that, which I thought was a really interesting topic. It was uh, an article written by a colleague of mine, Ari Tuckman, who wrote about this, right? So think about it for a minute. Great sex is all about eagerness, right? The thing that makes sex look so great in the movies is that the characters are always so excited that they can't hold themselves back, right? So it's all of that eagerness. So eagerness is central to good sex. Everyone involved is happy to be there and really wants it. They're in the moment, connected to their partner, working well together and comfortable. They aren't distracted, preoccupied, distant, insecure, or only doing it to avoid um, a fight. It's like if someone offered to make you dinner and all they did was make mac and cheese and then burnt it, you probably wouldn't be very interested. You might politely oblige to eat dinner with this person occasionally, but you certainly wouldn't be eager about it. In the same way, if the sex that you're having doesn't work for you, it's unlikely you are going to be chomping at the bit for more of it. And then he goes on to say, even if you feel pretty okay in your sex life, it may be worth some thought on what would make you even more eager. Uh, so in, especially in long-term relationships, right? To keep sex interesting in long-term relationships requires some intentional effort. And perhaps this is where it begins. If you're in a relationship, you may want to think about what would make your partner more eager for sex. So you're thinking about your partner, not about yourself. Uh, if one of you wants notably less sex than the other, then it may be worth some honest discussions about what kind of sex the lower desired partner would be more eager for. Uh, so listen, sometimes reheated mac and cheese is a pretty good meal, but at least sometimes you make it a bigger production and invest the time and energy to have the kind of sex that's worth being eager for. So it's not, there's a, I guess the distinction between eagerness and willingness is, is very different. Many of us are willing. We may not be so eager. Dania, as someone who's been in a long-term relationship, want to care to add? <laughs> I got a little nervous when we when you said we were talking about eagerness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why? You're like, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing. I'm exactly an eager beaver these days. Um, it's yes. true, a long-term relationship. You have to put a lot of effort into that. And uh, I find my eagerness probably happens when a little something different occurs right. or when sometimes he does something that reminds me how much I love him. That's a good point. And we can talk yeah. about that. What makes yeah. you eager for sex? 514-800. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. The ladies of the Passion View tonight, Paris Mansouri of Parisology.com. She's a frequent CJD contributor, sits in for me when I'm not around. Uh, she's a, a single woman in her 30s. Dania Beznos is a mom, stepmom, grandmother of three boys. She's an entrepreneur. And they join me every month to talk about different uh, topics. We're just talking about eagerness versus uh, willingness. Couple of texts here. Very nice comment from Dania about hearing something different and special from her hobby to spice things up. And I agree with you, Dania, on that. That that makes a big difference when even mm -hmm. introducing, even doing something maybe a touch more romantic, a touch more yeah. um, erotic, a touch more special than your, you know, just Tuesday night sex or whatever. Right? It it just mm -hmm. adds that and certainly could make a person much, uh, much more eager. 
Another commenter, uh, hi, Doctor, I just looked up that tradition. Apparently it was a thing in a few Northern European countries. It's called the bedding uh, ceremony. Another text writes, read the wedding night ritual. What is the difference between that and the Orthodox Jewish tradition? I, I'm hanging out the bed sheet proving the, the, uh, the uh, consummation took place. I attended such a wedding years ago where the guests hung around and waited after the ceremony while the bride and groom went off to consummate the marriage. When they returned, we had a great wedding feast. As far as I know, they don't go off to consummate the wedding. They do have a private moment because up until that point, they haven't been able to touch at all. So I think they have that private moment, but I don't think it, there is no hanging, hanging out the bedsheets. That, that is not done. Dania, as somebody who's connected also to the community and knows, do you know it's anything not, about it's this? It's not true. No, it's not true. Okay. So definitely something that's not. Well, if somebody who is from that community and wants to weigh in, please uh, uh, please do. Okay. Here's another study I wanted to share. This is a problem we probably all have. A recent study found that British women spend on average 12 hours more a week on their mobile phones checking email, sending texts, or browsing social media than they do spending time with their partner. More disturbing is that the researchers found if people are unable to be on their phones, it leads to stress, anger, and panic. A fifth of those surveyed said it would be harder to be without a phone for a week than their partner, and one in six said they were entirely dependent on their mobile phones. Uh, so that's, and then I read another study that said, what is the, the question was, what's the first thing people do after sex? And that was, I think, a third, I can't remember the exact number, maybe it was a third, something like that, check their, uh, check their phones. <laughs> so just wanted to know, uh, how much do you love your phones? Paris Mansour, who has two phones, maybe three even, I don't even know, I, I lost count. Paris, how many phones do you have? Two. Okay, so you have two phones. I always make fun of her because she walks around with two phones everywhere she goes. And we have a friend, another, Danny and I both have a friend who also has two phones. I was like, one isn't enough? One doesn't keep you busy enough? It does, but two phones double the problems. Like, yes. you're like, oh, can I have your second phone? I'm like, sure, just take the problems with it. <laughs> so, like, how attached are you to your phones? I'm not. It's a... Uh... I don't know. I can delineate. Obviously, if it's during a very busy time period or there's a project, I can turn it off. Would you 100%. answer a phone on a date? Uh, Would you check your phone on, on a date? If It depends. Like if I have a deliverable that night and I know my team needs to have something to me by a certain deadline that I need to then transfer to someone else at the beginning, I'll be like, hi, like this is about to happen. I'm really sorry. We couldn't put it off. And hoping they'll end heads up. I'm not going to be on my phone um, during right. the evening. Right. That's so never you're... ever happened. Like, but I would if it's an emergency. If it's an if it's a business emergency. If there's any kind of emergency, I would understand why someone would. But I'm not glued to my phone. No. Right. But you you would on a date you would tell them ahead of time that you're expecting something that you absolutely have to, that you have to check. Yeah. Danya, what about you? As uh... I don't know. I've been known to not know where my phone is half the time and when I got my new Apple watch my daughter said get her the one that it works when she doesn't have her phone because she forgets to take it half the time great so how often are you looking but, at your Apple watch but you know what not that often when I work out I look you know, for my heart rate and everything but okay. I I really don't play with it that much but when I do find that I'm too much on my phone I put it aside 
because I, 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 it, it bothers me when I get so hooked on it. Mm-hmm. So I put it aside. Right. I, yeah, there's, I there's make a even, conscious effort to do that. There's even a term called fubbing. It's when you snub your partner with your phone. And I, my husband has accused me of that on occasion. Uh, and my husband of, does that. And part of it is that I sometimes, when we're watching a movie, I can multitask really easily. So I can be playing you know, a word game and watching TV at the same time. And maybe um, shopping. You know, possibly shopping at the same time, whatever. So, And he doesn't get it because he doesn't multitask. So he, you know, when he's focusing, he's focusing. So it's not like we're... I, you know, I'm still watching. It's, uh, but yeah. Okay, a couple of texts here. I to my mother in her small Italian town during the 50s, it was quite customary to hang out a bloodstained sheet for the public to see in order to prove that the bride was indeed a virgin. Okay, but this is 2020. This is 2020. <laughs> Uh, I would I would be like a fish out of water with the phone because in large measure it's my multiple times daily link to my girlfriend. Right, you check in with uh, with your girlfriend. I as a male am pretty much guaranteed satisfaction. Foreplay is my specialty. If done properly, the female looks forward to sensual massage and more. One tends to set up a date night if you know it's going to be an event. Yes, make it an event. Exactly. That's the the perfect word. Does it, can it be an event for that one time every once in a while rather than your run of the mill, you know, sexual experience, which can be, which can be fine and, and, and quite satisfactory. That's okay. But it's, it's that, that, there's the difference between it's good. And then I'm really eager to, right. To eager to have uh, more or do or what have you. I never saw my ex-wife naked with lights on until we got married. She was a blonde, but when I saw her nude, the carpet did not match the drapes. <laughs> False <laughs> advertising. That's funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey, Dr. Laura, I find it really hard to believe in 2020 that that couple that are a tougher that have not that have not been intimate. No, they they he actually said they had been in they had been intimate before, and he couldn't believe the family didn't think they were intimate because they would sleep in the same room when they would visit. So uh, it doesn't make any sense. I don't, I I you know again it's just for for the tradition or for the other people. Um, I guess it's um, again who you know. Tradition is tradition. What are you going to do? Okay, last couple. We have like two minutes left, maybe. We can talk about this. I saw something very interesting in Paris. You'll appreciate it. The truth about people who stay single for life. Not that I'm saying this is what I hope for you or that, you know, if you happen to choose to stay single uh, for life, that's good on you. Like nobody should actually judge us. But Research is showing that as people progress from midlife through old age, those who stay single feel happier and happier with their lives. They're actually happier than other people who have been married and or or, or now are newly uh, single. There was a study of 40 to 85 year olds showed that lifelong single people became increasingly satisfied with their lives as they grew older. They also say staying single pays off with lesser loneliness in old age. They also say older women who have been single all their lives are typically doing just 
fine. Even though older, lifelong single women are mostly doing fine, other people don't believe them. <laughs> How often do you get judged for being single and over 30? I don't because I've been married. I think that makes a difference. If I'd never oh, been married true. and if that's I'd never true. have, if I wasn't in relationships, like in and out of them, I think I would get judged. You're, I definitely do think women get judged for staying single their whole lives. But or choosing or, or people will say, oh, poor her. She's single. But what do you mean poor, poor her? Maybe this is what she chose or maybe this is or she's just perfectly fine with it. Yeah, I'm not intending to stay single. I am dating. <laughs> Just saying. But, but I'm not worried. <laughs> but I do, I do know, like, when people are like, oh, hopefully you'll find, well, not people, but, like, older older ladies will be like, oh, hopefully you'll find someone. I'm like, but why do you not hope that I'll just have a good life? Why do you hope I'll meet someone? Right. right. But, but, but this but I, is, yeah, you can see that, right? You, you're like, you. we have the assumption that you're not going to be happy alone, that we all need somebody to be with or to keep us company or, or what have you. Dania, did you uh, want to add something? It's nice to have somebody in your life, but I mean, like Paris, for example, is a very accomplished woman. She has an incredible career. She has, uh, you know, a vast social life. Uh, you know, you have a great life. And if you find someone that could add to that life, wonderful. And but if, if you not, don't, don't, you can still be happy. Even. I'm going to do my best to live up to your words. Thank you. <laughs> Ladies, on that note, good luck, Paris. Keep us posted on your dating life. Uh, Dania, thank you very much. Paris can be found at parisology.com. And Dania's business is Apple and Pear Design. Ladies, always love having you on the program. Thank you so much. Take care and have a good night. Stay safe. Good night. Good night. Bye. Uh, thanks to our technical producer tonight, Dave Simon. You can connect with me. Uh, the easiest is to find me through my website, drlaurie.com, and, of course, all over uh, social media. It's all there. If you want to get a hold of the podcast of past shows, if you've missed any or you want to listen to this one on your own or share it or what have you, you can find the, the best of the show on the CJD page on the iHeart app or through my website on the Passion Radio tab. You've got all of them there uh, on SoundCloud for you. Coming up next year on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.